everyone, this is JJ Outlaw. Hi, this is T Outlaw. And we are back finally with a new episode of the Gourmet Goober Podcast. You can catch me, JJ Outlaw, online anytime on Twitter at JJ Outlaw. I'm on the Instagram at Gourmet Goober. And you can always drop me a line at thegourmetgoober at gmail.com. As always, I am here with my BFF, that dude. Are we still seeing the Dirt Desperado even is there's, there's still a pandemic? <laughs> so the Dirt Desperado is just for the pandemic. As long as I'm masking up. Okay. The Dirt Desperado, my hubby, Big Daddy, a.k.a. T. Outlaw. How's it going? It's going well. Hi. <laughs> I, the Dark Desperado. I need to look for another uh, another ID. Eventually, you're going to have to move for another nickname because, you know, in our state, unfortunately, they dropped the mask mandate, although you're still wearing your mask. That's right, because I'm only half <laughs> vaxxed. Yes. Hey, I'm full vaxxed, but I'm still wearing the mask. And we'll talk more about that later. Mm-hmm. But once again, you can find me, T. Outlaw, because that's part of my government name, <laughs> at T. Outlaw, T-O-U-T-L-A-W, on Twitter. And on Instagram, you can also find me, T. Outlaw, at T. Outlaw Josie Wells, like the movie. Now, of course, everyone wants to know, do we have a Facebook page? And the answer I tell you every week is yes, we do. Although I loathe Facebook for just a variety of reasons. Me and Mark Zuckerberg are not (laughs) on speaking terms. But if you're so inclined, you can go to the Gourmet Gooper blog. Because we started off as a blog 14 years ago. 14 years ago. Yes. Or no, not 14 years ago. Since 2014. So this makes... Or 2013. We celebrated another year. Let's put it that way. We're still here. Yes. (laughs) Not 14 years ago, but a long time ago, we started off as a blog. We're right here. (laughs) And we are approaching the third year anniversary of our podcast. Correct. Yes. Oh, my gosh. That seems nuts, right? Yes, it is. Be right here. <laughs> oh, no, no, wait. We're in the second year anniversary of our podcast. We're entering our third year. We have been around a long time. <laughs> okay. As the kids say, we, we've been here for a minute. We've been here for a minute. Either it's a blog or a podcast. We'll figure it out soon, but we've been here for a minute. <laughs> Which is exciting, by the way. Yes. That we've been able to last as long as we have. So long that we're old and we don't remember how long. <laughs> oh, God. Senility <laughs> has taken hold, hasn't it? Oh, my God. Don't say anything. How often do we, like, hold the remote? Do you remember what we were going to watch? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> we have to ask Alexa to set up a time for us. That's you. <laughs> All hey, you, it babe. worked last night with the boxing match. Hey, okay, okay, that that's good. Yes. I'll give you that. Me, I'll just sit in the corner. I will, like, watch the same program. <laughs> I won't even change the channel anymore. I'm just like, well, I could change the channel, even if I had the remote in my hand, but Don't why? forget. And yep. then the show you like will just come back on again because it's TV land. So that's right. You just have to wait. Okay. <laughs> What's the problem? So now that we have bored you guys, oh, my gosh, can we just say, first of all, it's good to be back. And um, for those of you who followed us on social media, and you may have noticed that we, although we're usually very consistent on putting out a new episode every two weeks, um, we've been really challenged by a number of things the last couple of weeks. And since we are a two-person operation, <laughs> 
it's sometimes when one person goes down, if they're not feeling well or things like that. Yeah, done that. Um, it, it could cause a delay. So first and foremost, for our listeners out there who are extremely loyal and reached out and wanted to make sure we're okay, wanted to say thank you so much for doing that. We are back on the horse. Um, <laughs> for the moment. Um, over the last couple of weeks, there's been so much that have happened behind the scenes. One, and I think I alluded to before, is that I am now fully vaccinated. Woohoo! As of last week, which I'm really, really excited about. So um, basically, you got your second ouchie ouchie. Yes, I got my second dose of the vaccine. Um, I got the Pfizer vaccine. Um, I was very lucky because the state that we lived in isn't as forthcoming as a lot of states and letting you know when the vaccine is open and available. We decided to do it by age in our state. And in fact, how I found out that the age was open was actually through um, a television report out of Chicago for my state. And as soon as I saw that, I jumped on the internet and was able to find um, a place that I can get my first shot literally the next day, like the day after I saw the commercial. And literally, I had to wait another damn week. We talked about it. You told me to take that one. It was the first available. Yeah, it's kind of like, you know, in the you know in the plane when they tell you, like, you know, in case a mask falls, <laughs> you know, put it over, your, you know, your mouth first and then protect, you know, the vulnerable and the children after that. Yes. So basically, that's what she did. <laughs> so, but you didn't have to wait that long. Um, the vaccine, by the way. Um, I got the Pfizer. You got the Moderna, right? Yes. Yeah. I have the Moderna in my body right now. <clears throat> um, and so the difference between the two is I think there's a slight um, efficacy. So I think yours is 98 and mine's 92% effective. Um, but in terms of the time it takes between each shot, like it's three weeks for me and it's a month for you. Yes. Um, so you have just a couple more weeks to go before you can take your shot. <clears throat> I can say, even though I have had the shot, I'm still going to wear a mask and mask up because, you know, that's hella important. So I'm not going to go beyond that. Um, what I can also say is that, um, in case you're wondering, there were a few side effects. So I got like a a little bit of a low fever, and I was feeling a little loopy in the first one. On the second dose, which everyone warned you about, um, I did feel a little out of sorts, and I had a low-grade fever. But for the most part, no, I feel completely fine, and I'm really excited to at least temporarily, because we don't know how long the vaccine will last, to be out of that woods. But between that and then, unfortunately, when you took the vaccine, and I, I say this because I'm not trying to dissuade everyone from taking the vaccine. Please take the vaccine. We can only get out of this and go back to normal if we all take the vaccine. But I know that the Moderna has different side effects than the Pfizer. And you, unfortunately, had some more pronounced side effects that we decided not to go to to take the, the show because, you know, you were, you were feeling queasy, right? Yeah. I got, you know, the... It, couple hours after I got my first vaccine, I was feeling a little under the weather and I got nausea and vomiting and chills and whatnot. But I mean, I think I was just out of it. I mean, but I, I figured that's just the price to pay 
you know, to progress. I mean, I didn't catch like, you know, a third arm or a third nipple or anything like that. <laughs> Even though catching that third leg might have been interesting. <laughs> but um no, I, I I so far I'm okay. Good, good, good. So for the most part then, I mean, with a few interruptions, but you know, we normally record on weekends just to kind of let you guys know how the sausage is made. And between him getting sick and then another new development, which you're about to talk about in a moment, it really kind of disrupted what is our normal recording schedule. So we're trying to figure that out um, behind the scenes. So we're really super excited about that. And I guess now is probably a good time to tell people you are back to work after your short time off dealing with your disability, right? I mean... I am back to work. I mean, I'm still like ramping up, but yeah, for the most part, I, I, my time away was, was just, a, we'll say a half year. Yeah. But I was away to have a little medical, I had a medical procedure done. Um, and I was, I'm still working my way back and we'll see how far it, you know, it will take me. We'll see how far, you know, how but my work life is impacted because of like, you know, my medical conditions, emphasis, the S's, <laughs> but for the most part, yes, I am back to work. Oh, I am, you know, <coughs> training. Excuse me. There's no sneeze mask here or whatever, but nonetheless, yes, my, the short and quick of it is yes, I'm back to work. I still work in media and I very much appreciate the people, my company, for at least helping me get back to work and being patient with me because I am a slow learner. <laughs> no, but you're not. Trust me, I'm a slow there's a, learner. There's a, a lot you have to pick up, though. That's like half a year you've been gone. Yes, it has been half a year since I have been away. Um, the operating systems that we were working on is no longer there, and there's a whole new brand of stuff. Technology courses advanced, but with that, you know, I'm also not a spring chicken. But the thing is, yes, I am for the time being back to work, and now I'm kind of fully immersed in entertainment and sports. Can I just take a moment to talk a little bit about what they had to do behind the scenes? Because there was another thing too, because as you're adjusting with your new, um, going, figuring yourself back into work with some of the adjustments that you had to make in order to be able to um, be able to do so because they, they had to equip our office that we had set up in a way that it'll make it easier for you to see and do what you love to do. Yeah. And so um, it was actually pretty cool. They sent someone from the geek squad to our house and they brought like this, equipment like this really big screen for you and they brought like um this specially made keyboard which was color coded which is really cool and i i i say this to say um i I don't really talk a lot about again my family members i think i post just briefly and shared something on my personal facebook because my parents are private people for the most part especially my mother they don't yeah. want their names out. <laughs> don't put their names in your mouth. Right. They they really would prefer that I don't talk about them because, again, they're just very private people, and I respect that. 
Yeah, I don't have that problem. That said, my father is actually visually impaired. And watching, I remember when I was younger, um, he finally had to retire due to vision issues um, from his job when I was in college, right before I started grad school, to be exact. And I just remember how hard it was for him to get what he needed um, um, to keep accommodations for the ADA. And converse that with you getting what you needed um, for the work that you do and, and easing you back into the type of work that you do. And I'm just really kind of blown away um, by the fact that they were able just to accommodate you in the way that they did, um, that they were able to really... Um, without question said, Hey, we value you as this employee. You've been with us forever. Let's do this. And today. Yeah. But they sent people to set that up. And I just have to say, because we didn't know they were going to do it. Yeah, we didn't. I mean, I, I, I still have questions and hopefully I might need some more adaptive equipment, but for the time being, yes, I am. I am back to work and working and, Yes, I very much appreciate them helping me out and are willing to go that distance with me. At the same time, you know, companies right now are, they're going through things and, you know, especially right now, still being remote, it is still a thing. So I am appreciative, but you just never know. So adapting to that schedule, I say that it's not only... Because again, I am extremely grateful um, for the behind the scenes work. But the other thing is that because you're adjusting and things like that, our production schedule is going to adjust maybe slightly. So we'll just try to figure out in the next couple of weeks as you go back to your new normal, what that means for us at our new normal as far as producing content. And less beer runs. Less beer ones, as he says. Big ones. <laughs> I'm not yeah. sure less than zero, which is what we do right now for anything. Okay, fine. Let's <laughs> let's you know runs to get diet Pepsi emergencies. Okay, that probably is more to the point because if anything, Big Daddy talks does a lot of his diet Pepsi runs. Still working on it. Although we may have to change that to Coke. We'll we'll talk a little bit more. Yeah, about we'll that talk later. <laughs> so. Um, Hopefully you guys had a wonderful time away um, while we um, didn't have to deal with us. We're away from the mic. We miss all of you. Um, One thing outside of that, that was really awesome is that I know for me, getting back to our schedule, that means, you know, us training places in the kitchen. I got a chance to experiment and do a lot of things I've not done in the past. I made my very first curry, which turned out to be really good, right? Yes. Yes, it was. You ate it even though there was no meat in it. <laughs> what? There was no meat in that curry. It was a vegetable curry. That was best. There was no meat at all. No, you didn't know that. No. <laughs> it was a Thai, a Thai red curry. It was a Thai coconut curry with vegetables. And you ate the hell out of that, and there was no meat. Wait, wait a minute. Like way back in the day, like when, where's the beef? Wait, there was yeah, no, there was the, no meat at all. 
what I made your first night of work. Yeah, that was a vegetable vegetarian curry. Okay, see, this see is the what curry I'm making tonight though. That's gonna have chicken, so you'll be fine. Oh, thank goodness, <laughs> one. But let's let's go back to this like non. What? See, this is what happens when like your whole attention is on work and not on what your wife is trying to slip into your food. He's mad because I made him something healthy. You did you slide for an asshole in this? No. It was vegetables. I had a ton of vegetables I had to use up, like carrots and onions, and I think I put kale in it. Oh did no! You, did you Maybe put some it was spinach? Did you put some kimchi or some? You know what was it? I think he's dead. No, well, actually, there was quinoa because we were out of rice. Damn it, quinoa! <laughs> Damn it! This is how she gets me. Slides are like you know, no meat and stuff, and not tell me. No, but you know, while you were not working, you. Went into the kitchen and you were really great and you were just like, I'm just going to step up and do a lot of cooking. Yeah, brother, to have you know, burning steak. Yes. Oh yeah, he's hooked us up with a steak or two in the time that he's been off work. Um, but in the meantime, I I think it was around Easter. I stepped back in and did my part, and we had duck, and of course we had the cake. The cake. Are we going to talk about the cake? Yes, we can talk about the cake. Cake is, is <laughs> this is where the goober just went straight ghetto. No, no, no. Okay, all right. We'll talk about the cake and transition okay. to my week. So let me just say, <clears throat> where we reside. Um, in the it, state east of Illinois. <laughs> in our community, it's. It's a mostly black and brown community, but um, in our neighborhood, but we are getting gentrified. We are the chocolate city (laughs) in the oasis in the rest of the state that looks absolutely nothing like it. (laughs) And so what I find that that's coming with a unique set of problems that I was not anticipating. So one such set of problems is that they're one of the things that's unique to Chicago, particularly the south side of Chicago and related areas like for where we live, even though it's across the borders, can still consider Chicagoland. And as I say, I live on the south, south side of Chicago. OK, I would also like to say for the people of Chicago, we once again would like to say that we live not in the city limits of Chicago. So, yes, we understand we are not Chicago winds. But I'm willing to say, yes, I'm a regionite. Okay. I'm, I'm a, a region rat. No, no, no. I am a Chicagoan. Okay. You can say it. I know that Chicagoans will, like, hit you upside the head <laughs> if you put Chicagoan anywhere and you ain't from the city from, of Chicago. I live in the south, south, south side of Chicago. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm not, hey, I'm, not catching the, <laughs> I'm not catching, like, you know, Chattown hands. Look, I claim y'all, okay? All right. Let's put it this way. I'm more Chicago than Indiana. And I grew up in Indiana. I was trying not to claim the state, but go ahead. (laughs) That's all you. So anyway, they have a lot of unique dishes to the area. And one such unique dish, it's what's commonly known as an atomic cake. Okay, so the best way to describe an atomic cake it's it's like it's a tall cake, at least three or four layers, right? Yes, very Minimum. layered. Yeah. Very layered cake. And traditionally, if you were to slice over an atomic cake, 
In each of the layers, you would see a different flavor. Historically, you will see something made of chocolate. Yes. Historically, you will see strawberries, and usually that occurs with a strawberry, either strawberry or cream, um, maybe strawberry glaze, but you'll always see actual sliced strawberries in the cake. Sometimes you'll see red velvet in parts. Right. Um, there's traditionally either a banana cream or a banana pudding or even sliced bananas in the cake. Mm-hmm. So I don't know where it get, gets its name from, but an atomic cake is very much a part of the region. In fact, I a long time ago when Big Daddy and I were dating, when I first met his parents, his mother introduced me to my very first atomic cake because it's not something that you can easily find where I'm from in Indianapolis. And she hooked me up with one. It was absolutely amazing. And I just kind of fell in love with it. So when it came time for Easter, I was going to make an apple pie. And I thought, I'm not really sure if I want to actually make one. And so... So, um, atomic cake for me kind of reminds me of my blessed mother-in-law, who unfortunately is no longer with us, but it's very much so a Chicago Southside tradition, right? Yes. So I went shopping for a few things for Easter dinner. I was going to make an apple pie. Um, I cooked a duck and I made some um, roasted sweet potatoes and I forget what else. I think, was it asparagus? Yes. The asparagus was good. The duck was absolutely off the top. Excellent. Yeah. But I didn't feel like making a cake. I wanted something quick and be able to celebrate before Big Daddy had to log back in. And I was at the grocery store and I saw, lo and behold, an atomic cake. She saw the words atomic cake. Yes. Let me just say that. I saw the words on the side of the cake, atomic cake. And I was like, yes. What an incredible thing to do. And, you know, I had it for Easter dinner with his mother-in-law. We hadn't had an atomic cake in a very long time. You can get atomic cakes on the south side of Chicago, like a Pete's Market. But I haven't seen one around here lately. Let me get the atomic cake. So I was going to call Big Daddy. Big Daddy didn't answer. So I thought, oh, don't worry. I just pick up the cake. So I brought the cake home. And as dinner was cooking... I, I just could not wait to slice in and see all of those delicious, luscious, very distinct layers that make up an atomic cake. And here's the rub. So I take get a knife. I'm holding my chest now. I, I just need a moment to recall this. Oh, wait a minute. Are you getting ready to grab your pearls? I'm grabbing my pearls. Oh, good Lord. I slice open the cake, y'all. The cake had like a yellow cake and a strip of chocolate cake. And there was no strawberry. There was no bananas. Just like a layer of strawberry whipped cream. And that was it. So it was made by Sandra Lee. Yes. Okay. No, nothing. Y'all, it was gentrified atomic cake. I like that. Gentrified atomic cake. I was speechless. I was like, how can I serve this to my husband? She was hurt. I would be laughed out of the hood if I showed... 
Like, what if I showed up to a church group or something saying this is a time of cake and showed this? They would pray for you. I know that. I would be on the sick and shut-in list. Mm-hmm. <laughs> They'd be asking for the building fund to help you. <laughs> and I woke up big daddy and was like, baby, baby, they gentrified a topic cake. How the fuck do you gentrify a cake? How do you gentrify a cake? Didn't you say it was like a marble cake that was just kind of like they gave up halfway in? Yeah, it was like a marble cake that they gave up. So there was two layers of yellow cake, a strip of chocolate cake, and then maybe some strawberry whipped cream. And that was it. Y'all, that's what they called a tummy cake. No bananas, no sliced bananas, no striped strawberries, no chocolate ganache, none of that. It was hideous. Yeah, it was, it was, I mean, it, it tastes like your typical sheet cake with some adaptation. It was very, yes, it it was, you could definitely tell like a random supermarket made it. You know, and the, (laughs) to add insult to injury. To add insult to injury. So I sliced into it and it had like a wonky smell. I think maybe because the whipped cream topping was kind of sweaty. Um, in the store where they had it. But then I gave it to Big Daddy, right? I was like, oh my God, look at this. He's like, what is that? That is supposed to be atomic cake. He said, no, it's not. I'm like, yeah, just take a bite. So then he eats most of my slides. I was like, really? You're not insulted by this at all? Nah, this is good cake anime. That's right. I'm like, is it a cake? Yes. Do I usually eat a lot of cake? No. <laughs> so she said, take a taste. Okay, so I took a taste. And you ate most of it. I took another taste. <laughs> I just wanted to make sure that I was verifying that what, because I had not had atomic cake in a while, you know, since my you mom. You know that was it. not atomic cake. So I wanted to make sure and verify <laughs> I was doing my CSI work on it. So I had to make sure that it was on the upright. You know that because, was not atomic cake. I was doing confirmation. I was doing affirmation. I was making sure that it was exactly what I thought it was going to be. It was like snakes on a plane. He was eating most of my cake. And then I told him to go give me another slice of cake. This sad ass cake. So, And so he's like, okay. And then he proceeds to eat the other slice of cake he got for me. (laughs) He sliced like another slice of cake for me. And then you didn't give it to me. You just ate it in front of me. He literally stood in front of me, in front of the cake, and ate the, the second slice of cake that was intended for me. I had to make sure that what... <laughs> what, the last couple bites weren't reassuring enough? Yes, I wanted to, you know, I had to be exactly sure <laughs> that what we were seeing was not exactly what we were seeing. One. So, the lesson is, one, never trust Big Caddy with a slice of cake. Okay, there's also a number two. Okay. And this actually kind of wraps into our little schedule here. All right. I tend to believe, because if you remember, there was something that happened to end the atomic cake experience. Well, it molded. Which is why we did not tape last weekend. (laughs) That was not why. Don't say that. Why did I get sick last weekend? It wasn't because of the atomic cake. You got sick beforehand. Well, shit, we didn't. Record that weekend, so that's, that's who I'm blaming. <laughs> that moldy ass cake. 
That's my excuse, and I'm sticking to it. So the lessons learned, kitties. <laughs> One, never trust Big Daddy with slices of cake that's intended for you. Two, <laughs> if the worst says atomic cake in my area now, you can no longer trust it. And the only place to get a real atomic cake is on the south side of Ch- and the west side of Chicago. At the right establishment. Yes. And three, apparently you can gentrify cake, which I never knew that you could do before now. That's really sad. <laughs> you can ask Sandra Lee. Nothing against Sandra Lee, but sorry. Sometimes. And you know, the sad thing is, I did ask the person, because I wanted to make sure. I was like, this is real atomic cake? And she goes, yes, yes, of course. Which makes <laughs> me sad, because I'm thinking, you actually think this is real atomic cake. Wait a minute, I was like, the lady or person that you asked? No. Okay, cool. <laughs> All right, we got that, that answer. We're good. I know that question. We're not gonna we're not gonna go past that point, but okay. You know the answer to that question. You just have to have it verified. Yeah, we didn't even need to like <laughs> the question. We don't even need to ask the question to know what the, the answer was. Okay, cool. I'm straight. I'm good. Okay. <laughs> Straightened out. Outside of the horrors of the gentrified cake, it wasn't an all bad week though, because Last week, in the midst of you going back to work and the horrors of the atomic cake and everything, we got a new Versus, which if you guys aren't used or are familiar with Versus, Versus is something that usually airs on Instagram Live, although they were recently bought out by another company, so I don't know if they're still going to do it mm-hmm. through Instagram Live or through an app. But what it is, it's it's kind of like a musical, like... How would you describe it? Like a musical music battle? Yeah, it's kind of like a little showdown thing of like people, as you would say, like artists who have hits or a number of hits and they get together and say, okay, I'm going to throw my hits and we're going to play a couple of mine, you know, and kind of go toe to toe with yours. With yours. And we're going to see like, you know, and basically like, you know, people, whether they be famous or not, will kind of jump in uh, in the chats and comments. And kind of see, you know, they kind of verify. And it's actually more comedy than anything else because the comments and the people who jump in and out are the best parts of these versus battles. Oh, yeah. Some of them have been legendary. Like, there's been the Patti LaBelle and the Gladys Knight one. Who was, you know, co-opted by Diane, I'm sorry, Diane Warwick. Warwick. (laughs) Hence to be known as Auntie Chella. Yes. (laughs) There was actually a really good one, Brandy and... um, What's her name? Was it Brandy and Monica? Yeah, Brandy and Monica, they did one. Oh, yeah, Monica was... And they didn't kill each other. Yes. Um, there was no hands. There was no hands thrown. You know, it was a, the kickoff was, what, Babyface and Tay Riley? <laughs> which... Which had, took a couple times <laughs> to get together. Because somebody couldn't get their equipment right. <laughs> Man, the equipment story was fun. They needed to go get their grandchildren because they couldn't get that equipment right. <laughs> That's cool. I'm blaming New Edition for that one. There was actually one, and we'll talk a little bit more about him in a moment, but there was one recently, which I hear that they're trying to rerun again with um, DMX okay. and Snoop Dogg. Fair and enough. DMX, again, we'll talk about him in a moment to wrap things out. Rest in peace, DMX. Um, he passed away. Um, actually, Friday? Yeah. But like I said, we'll, we'll get more into that in a sec. Right. But um, the one that appeared over Easter... 
was actually an oldie but a goodie that I have been waiting for. And it was um, Earth, Wind, and Fire. Earth, Wind, and Fire. Sorry. <laughs> I got to always run a joke. Versus the Isley Brothers. Or as I like to call, the brother and Obey. <laughs> Poor Ernie. Ernie just sitting there just trying to play his guitar, trying Poor to have Ernie. a good time. But meanwhile, Ron Osley out there looking every bit like old old Zaddy. You want to explain old Zaddy? Because <laughs> all I, in my mind, all I think of is like you no know, Mr. Big. You know, like I'm I, in my mind, I'm thinking like you know, fight the power, Ron Isley. Okay. Like you know, between the sheets, of Ron Isley. All of a sudden, he didn't got him a new. You know, I'm sorry, and being like you know, Mr. Big. You know, and I know there was like a whole thing with like you know the R. Kelly uh, parts of certain songs, but like I remember those portions of the Isley Brothers. Okay, if you guys don't know who the Isley Brothers is, you're probably familiar with Ron Isley. Some of you out there, particularly with yeah, he had a run of hits that he did with um, R. Kelly, um, and yes, we know R. Kelly's problematic. So, but we're not going to deep dive into that now during the conversation. But. True. Um, Ron Isley is part of the historic R&B book group, the Isley Brothers, but you probably know him as the legendary Mr. Big if you live through the 90s. And if you are a fan <laughs> of Steve Harvey, which we'll talk about in a second also. Ooh, child. Steve We're going to talk about him as pretty Tony. Steve Harvey. Look, this was supposed to be Earth, Wind, and Fire. <laughs> Super group, Earth, Wind, and Fire. Versus the Isley Brothers. Super, what? super smooth group. Why did Steve Harvey go on camera looking every bit like uh, a pit named Slipback in his outfit? That's right. You Interrupted the, everybody. You got to say the whole name. Interrupting everybody. Broderick Stephen Harvey jumped in there and made it about Broderick <laughs> Stephen Harvey. Bro, it wasn't about you. <laughs> we could have enjoyed that so much more if you just shut up. The only thing that was stopping Steve Harvey was like, you know, him getting the names wrong. That'd been real good, <laughs> but he didn't. But no, it was a fun time. If you happen to be a fan, like I grew up listening to Earth, Wind, and Fire. It's one of my father's favorite groups. So we used to have like the best of and everything on vinyl. Thank you very much. And Groove to September and all of those great songs. Um, yes, Vernon looked every bit with his hair pressed. Oh, Verdine. That's Verdine, sorry. Verdine had his hair pressed, for those of you wondering. I will, de- like, <laughs> Verdine, it, even if the dude don't even really sing a whole lot, he is my favorite member of Earth, Wind, and Fire just because that dude with that hair can groove that bass. I, I'm just like, I, you know how you just, like, look at, it's almost like looking at Problem with Funkadelic and you see the dude with the diaphragm. Yeah. Verdine. It just makes you feel better. It makes you feel better because <laughs> all you do is stare and you be like, how can a man with a hair that good not sweat that perm out? I, you know what? I, I've wondered that because no matter what, his hair will stay will be straight. Yeah, I'm that like, is a silk press for the ages. And that man playing that bass <laughs> is kind of like you know. I always used to, have, and this is my side joke. I used to like in my in my mother's later years. I used to take my mother to see BB um, King on the day before Easter. Um, used to have a a concert here in Indiana. Oh yeah, that's right. Over at the old um star, right? Yeah. And yeah. there used to be a thing where like BB King would come and play and of course, you know, BB King would always tear it up. But there always used to be this one dude, he used to have a jerry curl and he would play uh trumpet. 
And I ain't never seen a dude who just stand there and play trumpet. And for an old man, the dude would just move and just groove. And I was like, all I cared about was watching this one brother <laughs> just move with that trumpet, with that jerry curl, just going back and forth. Just be just grooving. And that's how sometimes I look at Birdie. I'm just like, bruh, I don't know how old you are. I don't care how old you are, but you are eternal. But that's my man. Anyway. Well, speaking of eternal, put Ron Isley on that list. All right. Ron Isley, <laughs> back in the 90s, he was old in the 90s, right? Because how long have the Isley Brothers been performing? Oh, hell, since what? Late 60s? Yeah, since the 60s, right? Yeah. He's still out there doing their thing and doing it well, okay? But Ron Isley had a very distinctive look with his hair, did that way, like it was that big comeback hair. Yeah. Um, And I yeah. guess he's just decided to settle in to a more mature Ron Isley. So the hair is cut down, but then he has like this, like, beard right this like white beard that is just done and i'm i'm not a beard person i have told big daddy many times when we first met i'm not really into a full beard because my father has always had a full beard and it's just weird to kiss someone with a full beard it's like kissing my dad yeah apparently i don't have the <laughs> no the goober's not a fan of the billy goat bra no but that said ron isley had this full beard going on that was cut really well and he had this like suit on and like I wasn't the only one because people online was calling him old bay and old daddy. <laughs> so zaddy is zaddy. How do you explain zaddy? Well, I don't know if I can. Zaddy is a fine looking older man. Okay. It's another word. You obviously don't want to call him daddy because <laughs> again, weird. Mm -hmm. So the appropriate term for old man thirst trap is zaddy. <laughs> or as I like to call him, old bae. B-A-E. Is this kind of like, you know, when you have a sugar daddy type look? <laughs> kind of. Okay. So I've been teasing Big Daddy all week about old bae being online after women rediscovered him again on his Instagram page. And he started out Old man thirst traps for all it's worth. It's, yeah, all you old, it's been amazing. All you young and old aunties out all there. All of us aunties getting our lives to yeah. it. <laughs> all you like Kamala Harris looking ladies. All y'all lost y'all freaking <laughs> mind because this man decided to like go straight white with his beard. <laughs> trim that stuff up. Like literally they're like barbers up in the you know, up in the streets now that have to work on like personifying trying to get that that beard and that haircut down. Well, I haven't seen him in a while, so I think I'm thinking in my mind, he still looks like old style Mr. Big. Nah, he's like, nah, let me get with this new new generation. Lord <laughs> Jesus. Let me throw out some old Mac Daddy vibes to you. See, I don't want to be on Haterade. <laughs> That's not me. I'm not trying to be on Haterade, even though I am. I was about because, to say you were on Haterade all week. Don't say that. But yeah, because of you. But no, at the same time, <laughs> all no, no, all the ladies on line, like you know, talking about, oh, he, oh man, look at he, old Bages went all. I'm like, Lily, all the brother did was trim back the hair, lose the ponytail, and like completely go gray on the beard. That was it. He that got, was it. He got a good, you know, good, good beard cut. That was it. And they losing their minds. So maybe I should have <laughs> go. 
go a little Billy go gruff. I don't know. <laughs> that was me. <sighs> I'm sorry. Do you need a minute? I do actually. I'm a oh, little, good I'm lord! A hot. Maybe I can fan myself a bit. Oh, high heavens <laughs> to Jesus! Holy oh. smokes of Jesus! Oh my god! I need Rick James for this. Oh, you know, wrap it out this segment. I, I think we should circle back if we can because this week we lost two um, famous people. One that hit me the hardest was the loss of rapper DMX. Um, Earl Simmons. Barn Earl Simmons. He was just 50 years old. He died um, for... <clears throat> he had a massive heart attack and then there was complications related to that where he was on life support for a while, unfortunately, and he went into a coma and didn't have any brain functions um, before they finally took him off. And he um, passed away this past Friday. Yes. And for those of us who were big fans of DMX, I know I was, I know Big Daddy is, um, it kind of hit us really hard, right? Because one, 50 is just so young. Yeah, because we're not we're not very far from fifty. But more importantly, this was a man that yes, and you he struggled his whole life, unfortunately, with substance abuse issues. And if you if you know the story, you know that this is a man that unfortunately had a really devastating childhood to the point where he didn't know his father. His mother was very abusive to the point where he he would talk in interviews about sneaking out at night and wandering the streets at night, um, befriending, befriending stray dogs because he just wanted to escape from that oppressive environment. In fact, dogs would factor very much into his image as he was older, DMX, um, you know, the junkyard dog and that whole thing um, because of that. Well, one of the people that he trusted, I think when he was like either 11 or 14, he was still very young. Um, he gave him his first what he thought was weed but unfortunately that weed had crack in it and he didn't know about it yes and that led to a lifelong struggle where he unfortunately um lost his life to his substance abuse issues that said he was a very brilliant uh, man um he had spoken openly about his faith and he had talked about it in his music he made his struggles very personal and he openly talked about his addictions and triumphs in such a way. And it's it's just too bad that he was not able to get the peace that, that eluded him his whole life while he was here on Earth. So it's my hope that he can finally rest in peace now. Um, but yeah, um, if you haven't listened to his music, there's so much out there. You know, my favorite songs, Party Up, What's My Name. There's just so many out there. Um, his albums were really brilliant studies and, you know, how they were just deeply personal and talking about where he was in his life. They and, were. And so <clears throat> I think we would be remiss without at least acknowledging, you know, his passing and just talking about you know, the great work that he did and hopefully, um, like I said, allowing him to rest in peace. And I know a lot of his fans are really coming out and re, um, just remembering the great work that he's done for so much. 
and I know it his death really hit you hard too, right? I mean, it hit me, and I, I, I the best way I could say it was like, okay, I knew like the Thursday before that there was some issues because of course Twitter being Twitter, there was like this big stream about is DMX dead. Um, you know, it was like a couple premature rest in peace when like, you know, his own, uh, man, sorry, his own agent and, you know, some of his family members had not yet confirmed anything about his health. Um, but there was this thing where I, me being me, like, okay, I was kind of like setting up like where, you know, like to memorialize, um, DMX, but I didn't want to do anything prematurely, but. I, like I was telling the group, one of the things was like, I was kind of looking through a song catalog, you know, like posts. And I was talking about the fact that, not going to lie, a lot of DMX songs, if you were looking for profanity, you're going to get it. You know, if you're looking for one that didn't have profanity, you ain't going to get it. You're either going to get some profanity or beeps. Or you're going to get some references to stuff that's, you know, is hardcore. But at the same time, like, if you're really a true, like, DMX fan, you know, it's just one of those things where, like the group was saying. He was deeply personal, and he was, when they talk about dudes that are authentic, dudes that are grimy, dudes that are, he was one of the probably a few guys who could go, you know, to the Grammys, and then the next day go to, I don't know, the projects with, you know, it's because he just had this authenticity. He had this kind of persona that was so multi-layered. And the thing was, like, I had a bunch of songs, like, in my mind. Some of them that, like, you know, I don't even remember the names to, but, like, every single one was, like, the ones he did with Ali- uh, with Aaliyah. Yeah, those were good ones. Yeah. You know, recipes to her, too, from, like, way back. Um, but it was interesting to me, like, you know, DMX, like, you know, his, his catalog was huge. But also, like, one of my favorites was, you know, remember that little rip he did with um, in LL Cool J, um, Red Man, Meth? Um, I'm trying to think. The No Limit Soldiers. Oh yeah. Um, it's just one of those things. Where, like when he did like four, three, two, one with cannabis and everything, it was just like that to me. Just with that little insert, right? Was just like you ain't never seen fire like that. Like dude was just like you looked at him, you were like this, this brother honestly, he's a damn dog. But at the same time, he was he had this persona. That was one, like a human being. Also, two, like a real, you could see his passion in some of those riffs. And I'm like, one of the things I truly, like I used to say about some of the biggest people, and I'll, I'll just leave with this, with DMX was, I have this running thing about um, tortured souls or to- tortured entertainers like Michael Jackson, like Prince, like Whitney Houston. Like even George Michael, um, a little bit with Tom Petty, but just guys who went through things and they died prematurely because even Marvin Gaye, um, where you got, we as a world benefited, like, you know, by the beautiful music um, that they produced, but they almost had to go through they had to go through things to show you their pain, their pleasure. And we benefited from it, but like they had to suffer 
for us to benefit. And I feel horrible that someone like DMX had to go through that. But, you know, like you were saying, now he's at peace. Right. And I'm okay that he's now at peace. I really hope. <clears throat> oh, guys, I'm sorry about my voice. Is she reclaimed? <laughs> or is she still thinking of Zaddy? I'm not still thinking of Zaddy. Stop it. Okay. I, I really hope, all jokes aside, though, um, if you get a chance, and maybe it's online or YouTube, to see the verses between DMX and Snoop Dogg. It's one of the last things he did before he passed away. And I have to say, it was really, really refreshing because it seemed like he had turned a corner with his addiction. And he talked about his gratitude and how grateful he was to be alive. And you could hear from himself the um, background behind some of his biggest hits. It was really... Oh, oh, it was really an, an incredible versus episode. It was him and his good friend Snoop Dogg together. And I would encourage you, if you don't know anything about DMX's music or you're not familiar with him, the man, um, I know it's so easy to denigrate someone because of a one part aspect of his life. And most people are familiar with his um, unfortunate addictions that he had fought all his life. But that said, I would encourage you to watch that if you can and kind of look at the other side of him, too, and just know that that's all that encompasses life. And I'm just glad that for the brief time that he was here with us, he was able to share his talent. So um, rest in peace, Earl. I hope that you found the grace that you're looking for in the next chapter you know, of, of your, your journey being the afterlife. Yeah, say hello to, you know, those who passed before you. And we give prayers to those, to his family. Now, lastly, the other person who passed away this week, who Big Daddy wanted to make sure that we acknowledge <laughs> for nothing else other than... <laughs> I just didn't know. ...was, um, unfortunately, Prince Philip, um, who was the Queen's consort, um, Queen Elizabeth, he had passed away. He was 99 years old. He was only a few weeks shy of his 100th birthday. I know you wanted to bring it up because we had talked about Meghan Markle's and Prince Harry's interview the last time we did a show, right? Yes, I know we had talked previously about Meghan Markle, sorry, and Prince Harry, the grandson of Queen Elizabeth. <clears throat> And their interview with Miss Winfrey. Yeah. So, unfortunately, he passed away, they say, of natural causes. But, you know, being 99 years old, I'm sure there's a lot there. I know he spent some time recently in the hospital and he had surgery. Um, I'm not really sure what that's about. They kind of kept that close to the breast. Um, I know that his, by the time that our podcast airs, his funeral will probably be underway so our thoughts to the world family yeah um and so let me just start by saying once again uh rest in peace uh prince philip um one i know they did acknowledge that uh henry that being prince harry will attend the funeral alongside his brother prince william and the father prince charles but uh prince harry's wife megan because of her impending pregnancy, uh, will not be able to attend. Yeah, they said that she was too pregnant to go on a flight, which 
happens when you're further along in your pregnancy. So. Very much so. And for all those haters out there or the people who or go after Megan about her connection to, and I want, that's first what I wanted to state is that Megan had absolutely nothing to do with this. And we should just let poor girl just be Megan and leave her alone. I'm actually surprised by how many people are trying to make the connection. Like there was someone online who aired something. I think it was on Fox news where they tried to blame Megan's interview on acerbating Prince Philip and his condition leading to his death, which is insane. Oh my God. How could she do that? She doesn't have like a magical wand just poking people and, the man was 99 years old. He lived a good long life. He did live a good long <laughs> life. That being said, it wasn't Megan. It was not Megan. You have a bigger chance of, if you wanted to expound, you could say Oprah did it to him faster than Megan did. Well, actually, you know, they probably want to blame Oprah. They could try, but Oprah can cancel all of them with <laughs> one wand of her own. It's like, not to tie it to one division, but you know that song about it was Agatha all along. They could just say it was Megan all along. Yeah, it was really Oprah all along. <laughs> Oprah did it, and Gail helped. All jokes aside, I'm just they kidding. had nothing to do with it. Yes, they had nothing to do with it. <laughs> and I, I, I wish Prince Harry safe travel to his um, grandfather's funeral. To you know, send his regards, and I hope Megan gets to enjoy this private time away, and that the tabloids will give her a break. But yeah. they won't. You know, the funny other thing that came up when we were talking about in our production, our production meeting about Prince Philip is I was surprised you didn't realize that Prince Philip and Queen Elizabeth were cousins. No, this opened a can <laughs> that got most salacious through every Google read. Oh, my God. Uh, yeah. Oh, Lord. You know what? I have to say, I have a lot of respect more so for Prince Harry now. Because Prince Harry took a look at his family tree and was like, I want none of that. <laughs> so he made sure that he got with someone so not related to him. Because it turns out all the royal family married their cousins. This is weird. So like Queen Elizabeth and Prince Philip were third cousins, right? Yes. Um, I understand. Prince Charles and Camilla are ninth cousins. Ninth cousins. Before that, Prince Charles and Princess Diana were seventh cousins. And Prince William and Kate, they're cousins too. They're eleventh cousins. So that means that that Pippa is part of the family. In more ways than one. In more ways than one. And of course, Big Daddy got me laughing. What what did you call it? Like technically. Charles is like his uncle daddy. Yeah, it's like if you go to the <laughs> the royal family reunion, it's like, yeah, see, that's my uncle daddy Ted. You know, there's like Prince Andrew, you know, who's like somebody's like, you know, cousin slash uncle slash, you know, baby daddy something. I'm like, when they talk about, and this is a country that's like over 55, 60 million people. I know. There's a lot of people. Y'all couldn't choose anybody else besides you could. Yeah, and the royal family, like that fork of that tree. Oh, good Lord, that tree's messed up. So Prince Harry took one look at that and it's like, you know what? I'm not going to be king, so I want none of that. Yeah, he's like, I'm I'm getting fruit, you know. I would like none of 
of that piece. He was like, I'm looking at this tree and I'm like, okay, I need berries and fruits from another tree. <laughs> so to head off to Prince Harry for breaking that very strange phenomenon that happens over there. Yeah, when they talk about apples not falling from too far from the tree. Oh, damn. Yeah, because it was weird. Like, even Queen Victoria and Prince Albert, they were cousins. I'm just like, do you not meet anybody else in your home? It's like, okay, I don't know if you guys ever watched The Bold and the Beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> we like The Bold and the Beautiful in our house, okay? We've been watch. I've been watching it since I was a little girl when the show started. I'm more the young and the restless type dude. But you watch The Bold and the Beautiful with me because it's yes. ridiculously absurd. So it's about this fashion house that's set in um, Los Angeles and the family that runs it are called the Foresters, right? Mm-hmm. Los Angeles has how many millions of people? Eight, nine million at least. At least. But if you look at the family tree of the Foresters, they could be the royal family because they all married each other. <laughs> they all married the same people. <laughs> the Foresters, the Logans, the Spencers. I it's know. Just... It's like literally Bill Spencer had what's his name married? Um, Katie? Yes. He would have been a, a daddy uncle. Yeah. <laughs> Katie got it in with, wait a minute, Katie got it in with her, with, I'm sorry, with Bill. And then his son. son. And then there's some people like Brooke, don't, don't question Brooke. I'm not going here today. Because Brooke is not the only one. But she's been with like all three Foresters. And then at least one of the Spencers. And then there's like one woman Steffi who's been with all three Spencers <laughs> I'm just like Ellie is huge y'all can't meet anybody else no not anybody else. no nine million people <laughs> and literally somewhere in that little little cubicle of Beverly Hills they all just get in with each other I I don't know I, mean, I just that is insane but we laugh at the absurdity of that but now that we think about it that's just a royal family that's literally what it is. Yes. <laughs> That's all. But I just didn't know. I didn't know like in Kensington or, you know, Buckingham Palace, they were just like, wow. <laughs> so I tell you what, we're going to gather ourselves because we're still giggling. We're going to take a break. And then when we come back, we're going to talk about three stories that really got us while we were on our hiatus um, and the What's Eating Us segment. So you're listening to the Gourmet Goober podcast. We will be right back. Hi, I'm Carrie. And I'm Emily. And we're the hosts of A Dark Cup of History, a spin-off series to our regular podcast, A Nice Cup of History, where we dive headfirst into the weird and paranormal aspects of the world we all live in. If you want to know your woman in red from your woman in white, or precautions to take against demonic dolls, and just where to go to find Batshuck on a moonlit night, why not give us a listen? Together we talk about the dark, creepy, and downright terrifying parts of our history and folklore as well as what you should do if you ever encounter any of them. Interested? Come and find us in Buzzsprout, Apple iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Pandora, iHeartRadio, and pretty much anywhere else you'll get your podcasts. So turn on the lights, grab a blanket and some rock salt, and, and let's, let's get, get dark. dark. Hey 
everyone, this is JJ Outlaw. And Chi Outlaw. And we are back with a new episode of the Gourmet Goober Podcast segment in which we share the three pop culture stories of the week that caught our interest called What's Eating Us? And this week we start off with something that, well, it affects all of us, really. Coke, no Pepsi. <laughs> well, we'll talk a little bit more about this in a minute. But if you guys may have heard... um, over the past few weeks, the state of Georgia signed a highly restrictive voting rights law um, that has a lot of people up in arms, mainly because it restricts some of the many access to voting for individuals, particularly communities of historically marginalized populations, be it black and brown communities, um, that many say, and I admit I'm one of them, it takes us almost back to the time of Jim Crow. Um, you can, you probably have heard a lot about the actual um, voting rights bill. I would encourage you to educate yourself on it, as well as the voting rights law that's currently going through Congress that will help destroy, not destroy, restore, <laughs> help restore the rights of that this bill takes away, like, you know, voters' ID issues, issues with um, getting mail-in voting, mail-in voting, eliminating what's commonly known as souls to the polls, which if you're not familiar, souls to the polls, it's a very prominent practice between black and brown churches um, where after, the whole idea is after we worship together as a community, we go and we vote together. And the idea of going to vote together is very strongly rooted in the time in our country where we were not allowed to vote at all. Um, if, for those of you who may have seen the movie Selma, or who know about history, know that for, for the majority of Black and brown people, the right to vote was guaranteed with the passage of the Voting Rights Act um, in the 60s. Correct. In fact, I used to work for... Um, a nonprofit organization where we work with young people looking to educate themselves about social justice issues. And I like to remind them all the time that in my immediate family, I am the first person in my immediate family that was actually born with the right to citizenship, meaning the right to vote, without having to pay a poll tax, without having to pass any type of exam, without having to um, have ownership of land, all of which were restrictions that were placed on majority black populations, keeping them to vote before that act was passed. So um, understandably, a lot of individuals are now very angry and the whole idea, and it's, let me just also say, without trying to get too political, it's not just Georgia's that's doing it. Right now, 48 states across the country after the events of the last election are looking to restrict laws in order to make sure that they have a hand in guaranteeing that whoever they want to win the election wins the election without necessarily having a democratic process in place. So understandably, as a result, there's been a call for boycotts. Um, and one such company that has spoken about their displeasure with what's going on is Coca-Cola. Um, and now Coca-Cola, Delta, there are two companies that are based in um, Atlanta 
are leading the charge in order to, they're really leading the charge in order to bring more attention to the idea that, you know, what's in the law is not right. I mean, in some cases, in the case of Georgia, they have the right of stripping um, people who oversee the votes in certain counties so they can put their own personally chosen individual in charge of the voting counts. So the CEO of Coca-Cola recently um, wrote a letter basically saying, hey, you know, this is ridiculous. Um, it was from March, March 31st, and the CEO, is, his name is James Quincy, and he said, I want to be crystal clear in that letter. The Coca-Cola company does not support this legislation as it makes it harder for people to vote, not easier. So first of all, we really want to say kudos for taking a stand. And I don't know if you've had a chance to read this letter, um, but it's actually something that it's sort of bold for a company to do. It is. Um, and as Kinda. a result, <laughs> Republicans who are passing this law who ultimately are making it harder to vote because they feel instead of a pro, instead of changing our ideas or trying to find out more about our populations in order to try to appeal to us, they just say, you know, keeping you from voting would be the best way to make sure we stay in power. So now they're actually throwing Coca-Cola out of their offices and they're angrily turning to Pepsi after they took a stand against the Georgia's voter law. Pepsi no cook. <laughs> so it, it's actually ridiculous. On April the 1st, um, Georgia House of Representatives Speaker David Rawson, he actually made a big show of cracking open a Pepsi out of a legislative session. And over that weekend, eight Georgia GOP state legislators wrote a letter to the Georgia Beverage Association requesting that Coca-Cola products be removed from all of their offices as a result of Coke taking a stand for democracy. Yes. So we went back and forth whether or not we want to talk about this, because to be perfectly honest, we don't really talk a lot about politics for many reasons on the show. Um, it's not that we don't want that smoke. It's not that we don't um, talk about it in our own private lives, but mainly it's because it's something that, we feel there's a lot of shows that already talk about it. We don't necessarily want to turn into that type of show. But if any subject crosses the nexus between pop, what's open and people are talking about in pop culture, as you know, a lot of people from celebrities to politicians to activists like Stacey Abrams to everyday individuals all talking about this voters' rights issue and the fact that this company which is based out of Atlanta. If you've ever spent time in Atlanta, Coca-Cola is Atlanta. And so yeah. the idea that they have set a line in the sand, if there's ever a story that crosses the line between food and pop culture, this is it. Okay. So we decided that we would put it on the show and maybe talk about it a little bit. Um, first of all, I think it's absurd the whole, I, I part of it, their anger towards Coca-Cola is sort of misdirected because one, I know Coca-Cola has given money to them in the past. Yes. Very many much of these so. politicians, 
Yes. And they didn't have any problem with it until the politician decided to say something against what they believed in. Yes. And the thing is, yeah, you're making a big deal of it, but you know who also drinks Coca-Cola? Black and brown people. <laughs> so maybe taking a stand, they're taking a stand and seeing that, you know, maybe we deserve a right to vote. <laughs> it was important for enough for them to be able to do this. So their show of force of, I know, we'll just drink Pepsi. That seems a little misguided. It's almost like, remember back in the Gulf War where they decided to take French fries, which, by the way, was not created in France, people. French fries is not French. But Damn they, Americans. They We're going to make them freedom fries. I know. They changed it to freedom fries. Oh, yeah. And I laugh my ass off. I'm like, oh, my God. Google is a thing, people. We Americans. We drink. We, we eat freedom fries. So now the Coca-Cola has become the new freedom soda, I guess. Sure. Red, white, and blue. Okay. <laughs> Go get that, cuz. But what do you think about that? I mean, this is kind of a bold move for them because, again, they are Georgia. <laughs> They're more than Georgia. Here's my thing. For Coca-Cola, okay, we applaud you. That's great and all. It's, I'm not saying, it's it's not that hard for Coke to jump on the board. Yeah, they very much could just, just lay in the weeds, even though, like, a lot of <clears throat> commentators entertainers and as such have like asked them to jump on board. And I know like when it shocked all of these people, you know, on the right who were screaming at the major league baseball um, sport, sorry, from major league baseball to when they moved their all-star game out of Atlanta and moved it to Colorado. Right. You know, and they were like, Oh, we're just going to boycott MLB. Okay. Cause go ahead and try be my guest. Y'all were screaming about it, like, you know, when the NBA got all righteous. And they were like, no, nah, we can't have that. But, yeah, Coca-Cola. Okay. Here's my thing with Coke. I admit, I because of my mama, I'm a Pepsi drinker. But that's literally because that was what my mama drank. But here's the thing. I drink Coke because it's there. When we talk about Coca-Cola, it is Atlanta. It is Georgia. It's the whole damn South. When we talk about the whole pop versus soda discussion. Oh, that's right. They call them Coke. They call them Coke down south, way down <laughs> south. There is no pop or soda. It's like, what do you want? You want, yeah, can I get a diet uh, RC? No. So you want Coke, right? Yeah. No, you can, you, you, you're going to catch a Coke. This is all to it. When you go to McDonald's, Burger King, at least the ones in the Midwest, um, you go to any of three burger chains. Hell, you go to, I'm thinking what, Popeyes or something. When you go to the fountain, you're getting you a Coke. So you can play the game and, oh, yeah, we're going to turn, like, you know, change all our, our, our stuff to Pepsi. Okay, go ahead and put it in your vending machines. But when you go to the major vendors, there are Coke in their machines. So go ahead and go ahead and try to, like, you know, erase it. You can't erase Coke. Coke is like Nike. You're just going to have to do it. <laughs> There's no running from that. Coke is there. I like that. Coke is like Nike. You're just going to have to do it. Yeah, it's just the concept <laughs> of, damn it, you could sit there and say, we're going to boycott it, but it's literally like Amazon. You can't run from it. It's just all, it's like omnipresent everywhere. So, yes, we would like to say, and I'm trying to stay as political, less away from this as much as I can, but yeah, Coca-Cola has a power. And I'm glad that they jumped on 
the side of, you know, helping the disenfranchised, which they are disenfranchised. And I mean, like, yes, Coke could very much lay in the weeds, but this wasn't a hard competition in my in my mind to stay away from because it's kind of the right thing to do. We ultimately want people to be able to vote. Yes, we want them to vote correctly, and we don't want, you know, voters to, I'm sorry, not voter suppression. We don't want, you know, improper voting. We don't want, you know, people who are, you know, committing fraud. That being said, there's not a history. There's of, not a history of, of it fraud. at all. Not at all. Yeah. If you want to go find some, yes, you can go find some, but. But here's the craziness by their own admission. Cause remember, and it wouldn't be so bad if they were like targeting counties that were largely black counties, like the county that Atlanta is in. Yes. Like they very openly are going after those particular populations. And even when you t- they refer to it in politics as the big lie that Trump really run the election if it wasn't for those pesky black and brown people um, and where they vote. Yeah, you knew it was, yeah, that was the thing. They, but Georgia, Trump knew it was coming. Right, but Georgia even said there was no record, there is no incident of any fraud. So by their own admission, they didn't need the rules that are in this bill. They just didn't get their chosen leader where they could get it legally, so they're changing it now so they can switch things up if they want to. And and like I said before, this is something that we kind of wrestled rather than not to talk about it. We ultimately decided to do it for two reasons, to be honest. One was the reason I said before. And two, I personally, and I know many African-American families have a similar story, but I take this rather personally because, um, again, going back to the first segment when I say I don't talk a lot about my my parents, and that's because they request that we don't, okay? Um, I will just briefly say my mother was raised by my great grandfather, Johnny, and he was the youngest son of a freed slave. And I had a chance to get to know him. He died when he was in his 90s. I was actually a junior in college when he died. It was right before my senior year. You remember when I left for the funeral, right? It was right in the middle of classwork, we both went to college together, Big Daddy and I. And I was very blessed to know him and to know his story. And he was a phenomenal man. Um, without going into a lot of details, he um, he owned a lot of land in Mississippi when my mother grew up, which was very unheard of in the area in which he was at. And when I said before about the restrictions that were often put on African-Americans as barriers to keep them from voting back in the day, well, one of the restrictions were you had to be a landowner, at least where he lived. And my great-grandfather owned a lot of land. Um, There's a story behind how he acquired it. I prefer not to share that, again, because it intersects with a lot of my mother's personal story. But He took it. But... Over the years, he was one of the few people that had the right to vote because they couldn't rewrite the laws just for him. So they had to begrudgingly give him that right. And undoubtedly, there were threats made on my great-grandfather's life to the point where they would have actually tried it if it wasn't for the fact that he was a gifted farmer. So... My great-grandfather on this land 
Believe it or not, people were still growing and benefiting from cotton in the 50s and 60s and the area of Mississippi where they're from. And he owned the land. And then there's cotton fields that are owned by different owners. So the people around them, if you can imagine, were sharecropping. And then he owned his own land. And he was so good with farming that whenever um, a white farmer would have a problem with their farmer, like not getting their crops to go, they would go to my grandfather. They would have to begrudgingly call him by his name. And they would, he would go and help them. And that's literally what kept him alive. So growing up, I heard all these stories. Again, family members who wanted the right to vote. I had a family member who was in a unique situation that he did have the right to vote. And he was almost killed for it if it wasn't for the fact that he wasn't he was giving in his advice and his help to the people around him. So when they signed what happened, when they signed in the bill in Georgia, I remember crying to Big Daddy. I was really, you can say I was really kind of shaking because again, for many families. That was a step backwards. It was a step backwards. And again, this is a man that was an influential part of my life. It was part of my reason why I went to grad school was at his encouragement. And even going to college was at his encouragement. And he, he was just a phenomenal and earnest and amazing man. And to know what I know about my family members and my past um, and their struggles to get what should be a right of every citizen, um, to see that be eroded away over something that is hateful and something that's a lie and by means of standing of power and no other reason why but that, it, it really... It's really, it's really hurtful. It is. And um, not to bring everybody down after our laugh about Prince Philip and his non-blossoming family tree. <laughs> but, you know, it is kind of striking that a lot of companies are taking a stand. And like you said, when MLB physically took their thing out of the state, you know, that kind of leads us to wonder what other companies are going to have that happen to. I mean... Think about how many shows are filmed in, in Georgia. Like how many? Most of Tyler Perry's still. Like, oh yeah, Tyler Perry's, all of his stuff is in Georgia. Shoot, the Falcon and the Winter Soldier, which is like my obsession, they film in Georgia. So I'm like, fuck, do I not watch them? But then you think about it as well. If you think it's just Georgia, it's not. No, it's, it's other states that are part of this. There are 48 Republican-led states that right now are having rules and guidelines that right now, if you check the laws, they're probably trying to sneak this through. Including our own. Yes, including our own. Well, I'm not very surprised by that. Actually, I am surprised by that because they're the only one that literally are think. Remember, <laughs> like the polls closed and they said, Indiana for Trump. Yeah, we hadn't even finished the, even, the state. Yeah, they even finished counting. They're just like, we know you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so the point I'm trying to make is kudos to Coca Cola for making a stand. We hope that other companies would do so, including Pepsi. What would they drink if there's no? Pe- if Pepsi said, you know what, we think that loss sucks too. Then what are you going to do? Are you going to drink RC? 
You might have to. <laughs> I know you want me drinking clearly Canadian. We know that. Hard <laughs> enough to find it. Actually, I know where to find clearly Canadian. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> one of the other things, if I may interject really quickly, is one of the things I remember very distinctly about this protest was in somewhere in one of these suggestions, I remember back when they like, you know, the people were registering and some of them for like early voting because they only had so many boxes where that people were standing in line for hours upon hours. Oh, yeah. And one of the insane things about the law is it makes it illegal to what? To hand out water or food. Right. While they're standing in line for hours just to vote. And my thing, my contention is, oh, this is because you don't want unfair advantages for, you know, people who are literally standing in line for hours. Some of them who literally are taking time from their jobs and whatnot. Right. Waiting in line just to vote, just to vote. Things that we can do in like five minutes. Eight hours to vote. It's not uncommon in some areas for people to stand in line for eight whole hours to practice their civic duty. Right. And my contention is if. You know, if Coke wants to get some friends, they can get together and say, okay, if you want to make it fair and balanced, I'm not taking shots at certain networks. But my thing is that I think that Dasani, that little group that's a parent, I'm sorry, a a kid of the Coca-Cola company, could put some water out for these people just off to the side because, you know, we can't make it unfair. And, you know, if Glass and Ron's or, you know, some other vendor, I think Lawrence and Lawrence is no one Oh, now I apologize. But the people who make, you know, good food, uh, if y'all want to, like, put out a spread or something for the people, like, you know, while they're waiting, we don't want to break any laws or anything, but... Waffle House. If the Waffle House, of course, wants <laughs> to put out something for the for the people, please join in the this whole little, you know, expansive art here. I want to get as many people involved because I want these people... If they have to stay in line, please help these people out if they have to go through this. I, th- I just think that last part is insane because, one, many of those people are standing in line. You know why? Because in many of these communities, they're getting rid of voting places such as drop boxes and other places they can go. Right. So they're making it less convenient. And the whole idea of waiting that long to do something that is every person's right to do. It's just ridiculous. And it's a then, right, not a privilege. And then to have everyone stand outside and, oh, no water, no food for you. Um, That's insane. That's just absolutely insane. So, um, again, kudos for Coke for taking a stand. And there's actually seven other country, companies that have done it as well. So it's not just Coke. My understanding is Coke. It's Home Depot, it's Delta Airlines, Chicago's United Airlines has spoken out, Apple has spoken out, J.P. Morgan Chase, um, Chase has spoken out as well. They're going to take my Chase money. So, again, I'm really, really glad that they are actually doing that. And so kudos to them. Um, let's switch gears for just a moment. And before, before we leave the Coke and talk about Coke altogether, wasn't there something online that you had mentioned that you wanted to bring up as well? The whole Coke, Diet Coke and Coke Zero. <laughs> <laughs> I don't okay. know how we got on that conversation. I guess it was trending online and Twitter. And a lot of people were just 
protesting and knowing the difference. And I have no idea the difference because I can't drink out of any of them. Why is that? You know what it is? It used to be that, and I know aspartame is bad for you, but I can't take um, sucralose, the whole thing in Splenda. It just doesn't sit well with me. So when a lot of sodas started moving towards Splenda as their additive, I can no longer drink it. Okay. So I haven't had, well, I've had Diet Coke. Let me just change it. I haven't enjoyed a Diet Coke or any diet drink in about five or six years minimum. (laughs) Well, you, you were the diet drink master. And I know a lot of people were talking about, you know, the difference between, why does there need to be a difference between, why does Diet Coke and Coke Zero need to exist? Yes. And then what's the difference between the two? I I don't know. So this is yours. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, I think. <laughs> okay, two caveats right off the top. One, I am I have been a type 2 diabetic for probably only 20 years. <clears throat> With varying degrees of control. Um, that being said, and I admit I should not drink as much Diet Coke, Diet Pepsi as I do. But I admit, it's kind of my thing to keep me from drinking alcohol. So I have to just trade advice for another. You drink alcohol. I mean, yes, I can go drink alcohol, but for my own control and better sense that I choose not to also in this house with the goober who's not an alcohol drinker at all. That's because I'm allergic to alcohol, to be honest. That's your personal deal. <laughs> I can't handle it. But anyway. Yeah. But nonetheless, with Diet Coke and Coke Zero, it's almost like, yes, there are, it's basically looking in my face like they're basically variants of the same concept of getting people, you know, we're not going to give you straight cane sugar, but we'll give you something adjacent that, you know, will not affect your system as much. But that, like, to me, it's just a thing of taste. And what you want to deal with. And yeah, I'm cool with aspartame. Because I remember like when Diet Pepsi went back to like this light blue can of, you know, with aspartame in it. I really enjoy that because once again, I'm a Diet Pepsi person. But I drink Diet Coke because Diet Coke is like that, like what we were talking about in the Coca-Cola discussion a little earlier. Wherever you go, most of the vendors have Coke products. So you will always come across Diet Coke more than anything. And in my mind, I drink Diet Coke for all of you because if I didn't, I'd be hurting some of y'all. Is it for the caffeine? No, sometimes I can drink, you know, the Diet Cap. I'm sorry, the uh, the no caffeine Diet Coke. Um, But it's mostly just because I just need something. Like, I want that um, Diet Coke flavor like you know i want the coca-cola flavor of course with no sugar and it's like diet coke is always there but like if i had a choice between diet coke and coke zero it's like diet coke is really good but when i get in a can maybe not i guess my my confusion and i'll admit i was confused when they rolled out coke zero yes because the whole thing about coke zero is supposed to taste like coke and it never did no it never will it was, I, I just, so why do they both need to exist then? Well, 
the hardest thing for me to say is just like, not that I'm like the Coke Zero fan, but like I like Coke Zero only because it's kind of like giving my system no sugar, but like giving us like a Mountain Dew kind of flavor. It's like it's basically like taking the like the Diet Coke and like amping up the Splenda in it. It's like you put like a little more oomph on it. And it's like it because it has a little bit more rich and it's like a little more caffeine hit. Now, if you can see my face right now, the whole idea of more Splenda is not a pleasant part. Yeah, it is. It's <laughs> maybe not like, you know, for you because like if you drink too much like Coke Zero, there are people who can take it. I admit, if I drink enough Coke Zero, I almost have to have like the Diet Coke to kind of balance it out. One of the things that when I go through my purchasing habits, like, I'll get some Coke Zero, but I won't get a whole lot of it because if you drink too much of it, you'll either be jacked up or your stomach will say, mm-mm, too much. No, no, no. It, your stomach will not like it because you have to have that kind of tolerance for it. It's kind of like we had a discussion about, um, was it Maltitol? Oh, yeah. That's in cookies, like the sugar-free cookies. Oh, the diet gummy bears. Oh, the diet gummy bears. You can eat a few of them, but if you eat a whole lot of them, your ass is going to tell you later. Speaking of that, just as a side note, if you guys are ever having a bad day, I want you to go to Amazon and I want you to look up sugar-free Haribo gummy bears and just read the comments. The comments alone will make you laugh for hours on end. That's actually something that I keep in my back pocket when I'm really stressed. It's never failed to make me laugh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, that Maritol is no joke. Yeah. And I don't know why. I just, I don't know. I just can't take any diet sweetener at all anymore. Like, oh, Stevia. Oh, God. Yeah, Stevia is Whoever came out with Stevia, I want to punch them. That is awful, awful stuff. (laughs) But yeah, like in in closing, it's do it. Like, I like Coke Zero more than Diet Coke because I have a higher tolerance and usefulness. Like, because I'm a little more used to, like, you know, having a little bit more. Splenda flavoring because it's a little, it tastes a little sweeter. I guess my or my mind thinks me makes me think that way, but I can't drink a whole lot of it because if you have too much of it, your body will tell you no, you've had too much. But I, it's kind of like a mind thing, and my body kind of takes it that way. But diet coke is good for those who who can deal with it. Speaking of horrible, horrible stuff. Horrible, horrible stuff. <laughs> Our next story actually comes um, from Facebook and other related social media. Um, like I said, let me just start off by saying I know I mentioned I'm not a fan of Facebook. That said, there's still a lot of groups that I'm secretly part of um, because I just I'm interested in food and connecting with other foodies. And, and when I say tolerate that, you can tolerate the the evil blue F. <laughs> And when I say secretly, what I mean is I'm I'm more or less a lurker and get ideas for like recipes and things like that. Like getting the courage to finally make a curry and make find a recipe that I really love. I actually got from one of the foodie groups. Um, so thank you guys for that. Um, but there are a lot that are out there that um, routinely when something hits in one foodie group, it kind of migrates to another. And so this actually even hit on Twitter to a certain degree. But yeah, it's been circling enough that I just shared it with Big Daddy, jokingly, to tell him that that would be for dinner one night. And 
his response was less than pleasant. So. Oh no! Oh no! <laughs> so after he decided to have such a dramatic response, we decided to share it with our viewers on our listeners rather on the show. Um, so <clears throat> believe it or not, there was once upon a time, although I think they still exist in some shape or form, the Donut Corporation of America. The Donut Corporation of America. I know this was a thing. <laughs> Now, first of all, you would think such a thing would be a good thing, right? I mean, nothing but like a corporation that was existing just out of donuts. I personally think that's a great idea. In fact, there's a very helpful um, thing that I look at sometimes called restauranting through history. And there is actually, you can read the history of the Donut Corporation of America, which started in the 1930s. It was actually one of the largest producer of donuts. And if you get a chance to read their history, it's actually interesting. The whole idea of dunking donuts, like dunking it in coffee and everything, was actually created out of this um, organization. In fact, they actually had a national dunking association. They sponsored displays at the 1939 World's Fair, um, and they actually planted photos of celebrities eating donuts. So it was like a donut lottery, right? Yes. Which I firstly think, dude, donut lottery, I'm all for it. Something the hell up. <laughs> so in order to encourage people to eat more donuts, they decided to put out a cookbook. Ooh, hold on. You guys, I'm so sorry. My voice is leaving. So the cookbook is entitled 36 Delightful Recipes to Perk Up Your Meals. And it's all about the greatness of donuts and how you can incorporate them in breakfast, lunch, and even dinner. So I would think, you know, donuts for dinner. Again, all down for it. I'm down for creativity. I think we've talked on this podcast that there's places you can go, including one in our community, that you can get a donut burger, which is fantastic. Um, they decide to go in a different direction when it comes to dinner. They pick something <laughs> a little off the board. Leave it. So I present to you, gentle listeners, from the Donut Corporation of America, 1947, the Donut Prune Salad. That's right, everyone. The Donut prune salad so there's actually a picture you can look on it um someone actually the original thing that was circling through all the foodie groups that i've been a part of is actually on vintagebug.com which is a great site as well google it (laughs) google it (laughs) but with the donut prune salad here's what how you make it Here's a fresh crisp salad that will t- cause any quote-unquote meat and potatoes man to change his mind. Liar. <laughs> How you make it is stew four prunes for each person. You pit the prunes and stuff with cottage cheese. Then place two donuts on a lettuce leaf. Side note, why even bother doing that? Two donuts on a lettuce leaf. You fill the donut center with cottage cheese. And then top each donut with a stuffed prune. Then you take two whole pitted prunes, if that's not enough, and put it beside the donuts. 
And then finally, serve with mayonnaise. <clears throat> so I have questions. I'm sure you do. <laughs> One, why are the cottage cheese and the mayonnaise? Two, did they actually taste this recipe? Like, can I imagine that they, when they put the, this together, did they actually eat it? And, and if, if they did, are they still with us? And if they think it tastes good, what is wrong? With, what was wrong with them? Um, why so many pitted prunes? I mean, so there's two whole pitted prunes, and then. First of all, where was the mayonnaise supposed to go with all the cottage cheese? Like you serve with mayonnaise, do you put it on the pitted prunes that you serve next to the donut? Did you top all of that donut, cottage cheese, and prunes with the mayonnaise? Like what was the mayonnaise supposed to do? Be there. <laughs> because I don't <laughs> truthfully, I don't really care where it went. I mean you can stay why ass is at home. There's so many ways that they could have chose to go with this dinner thing. Like I said, the donut donut burger, whoever came up with that, genius. But instead of choosing like any of that, they chose violence. <laughs> to their stomach. <laughs> to their stomach. To the world. <laughs> to their mates when they serve it. If, if, you're, if you're home, right, and you're, this is the 40s, so you're that meat and potatoes man. Instead of getting meat and potatoes, you can serve that. What would be your response? Well, I know your response because you actually shared it with me. You said. I, I say a lot of things. <laughs> and not a lot of them I can say on this podcast, even though we freely speak our minds. <laughs> There are things that I, there were reactions I had that were probably not very pleasant to say, but for all you listeners who just heard the explanation for this, I want you to go back when she was reading the process of how this is this is brought together, and I want you to rerun it, listen to it again, and then I want you to think about how that is how this whole thing is. This creation, this abomination, how it's put together. I don't know. What is the purpose of the lettuce leaf? So you can call it a salad? Yeah, we'll go with that. <laughs> I mean, after all of that, you have one lettuce leaf that all of that monstrosity is sitting on. Why? Why Why even bother with that? I don't know. <laughs> so it was kind of like as she was reading it, my mind went from... It, it was like the Dow Jones. It went up and went down. It went up and then, like, throughout this whole listening. Uh, it went I'm sorry. through the floor. Like, then it, <laughs> it just went through a crash. And I just, like, it just got worse every time I heard it. So my thing is, and this is very short, donut. Okay. Mmm, donuts. Then prune. Okay, now my thing. I don't care. Then salad. Okay. No, no, lettuce leaf. Lettuce leaf, whatever the hell it is. Okay, I'm getting into more leaf, lettuce, whatever. I'm trying to eat more salads. But everything from that point forward, 
from that point forward. From that point forward, just went <laughs> like everything you just said just went straight to trash. And I'm like, it you you just can't like okay if you just had a donut and you put it with a salad. Okay, outside the box. Okay, I'm willing to discuss it. I'm willing to say okay, I'm willing to cool with it. Okay, if you have prune with Leslie leaf salad, whatever. Okay, not my thing, but that's you know I'm whatever. But then like wait a minute, cottage cheese, cottage cheese, mayonnaise. What what, what are the trash we got in there? Well, the cottage cheese and mayonnaise is enough. Yeah, there was some more stuff in there, but like my mind went blank. I'm like, no, this is when you purely trying to mess with people. It's like literally saying like, okay, why do y'all? Some of y'all, why do y'all put raisins and prunes and everything? One and then why y'all trying to put cottage cheese? I know how the goober feels about cottage cheese. Cottage cheese is evil. Yeah, if that's your thing, I know you put cottage cheese in some lasagnas and all sorts of stuff. Cottage cheese and some things, okay, fine. I admit, like when I put, like I love burgers that have mayonnaise on them, right? But just enough, just a little bit of mayonnaise or a little bit, of, you know, Miracle Whip. That being said. Let's stop it. Just all I want to do is just say stop. That's all I got. I'm out. So that is probably the most horrible thing that I've seen. If it wasn't for the fact that there is something called popcorn salad, which we also saw on the Food Network that I showed you. Yes. Which, first of all, there's this woman who is, it's a show about Midwestern cooking. Let me just say this. Now, I'm a black woman in her 40s, but I was born and bred in the Midwest, okay? Apple picking, rollerblading, my junior high was the middle of a freaking cornfield. You can't get much Midwestern than that. Mm -hmm. That said, what that woman is passing off is Midwestern food that is common, supposedly, in the Midwest. She mentioned in the segment that you could take to, you know, a church, um, like church meal that you share after the fact. It was very common for her. And they go also going to pray for you after they get done. Look, if if they serve that monstrosity at the churches I grew up in, they will put you on the sick and shut in list. Okay, I I'm not going to go into a lot of detail as to what's in it. Other than popcorn, um, cheddar cheese, water chestnuts, and mayonnaise. Because, of course, nothing can be made without mayonnaise. I, I'm, I'm not going to go into that. I vapored when I heard chestnuts, too. There's a version which has water chestnuts. Okay. Um, so, yeah, yeah. She's lying to you. That is not a common Midwestern food. I I don't know where she comes from. That is uncommon. Yes, it is very uncommon. So, yeah, I'm not really sure where she came up with this. (laughs) Maybe it's a part of the Midwest that she's from. But, nah, I I got many questions um, over the past week from people who know that we do a food show i.e you know the gourmet goober and that we cover the midwest and i can honestly say no 
we do not eat popcorn and mayonnaise salad. Not a thing. Not a thing. <laughs> okay. I fully agree. <laughs> Big Daddy's like, don't you do that to my popcorn. <laughs> yeah. No, I admit, like, if you're thinking outside the box, that's fine. Like, you know, there are weird delicacies. Like, what was it? The pickle and the peppermint? Yeah. That's kind of unique, but... That's a south side thing, but... Yeah, that's one thing, but at the same time, like, mm, I don't know. You know, I've yet to try the peppermint and pickle. I'm looking to do that. That's all you, babe. <laughs> and if you're, you. if you're wondering, one of the uniquely Chicagoan things to do on the south side of Chicago is to eat a large dill pickle that has been cored out in the center and in the center is place a peppermint. Um, if you want to know more about this tradition, I can recommend Peter Sagel from Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. He had this like mini series podcast that he used to do where he shared himself eating traditionally Chicago or unique eating experiences. And he actually does eat this peppermint pickle a phenomenon that's popular on the South Side. I'm not going to ruin it for you. His response is really, really funny, though. I'd encourage you to Google it and listen to it. And shout out to Peter Stego because he is amazing. Yes. <laughs> so to close out our podcast segment here, we also wanted to share one last thing that has been making around some social media. One that has caused a considerable amount of arguments, not only on social media, but between the two of us ourselves. And that is... <laughs> Every year around March comes March Madness and the resulting bracket. That's where you take a team of 64 teams and then put them together in order to see only one remains. This year, the team that made it through, the team of 64, the one that made it to the last two, one of which is Gonzaga, which just as a side, I believe Gonzaga is not a school. I think it's just something that just rises out every March in order to screw up your bracket and then go away. It's kind of like Brigadoo. And they <laughs> definitely messed up the brackets this year. Amen, they did. <laughs> but outside of Gonzaga, there are many other versions of the March Madness bracket. For those of you who don't follow college football or basketball, one of which hit online, which was known as the Candy Bracket. So the candy bracket took, instead of 64 candies, it took, I think, 16 altogether. Sounds about right. Ranging everywhere from Reese's Peanut Butter Cups, Whoppers, Swizzlers, Snickers, Swedish Fish, Junior Mint, Kit Kats, Jolly Ranchers, M&M's, Gummy Bears, Twix, Milky Way, Skittles, Sour Patch Kids, Starbucks, and Nerds. And they paired them off to see who would be the last one standing. And according to this individual, the last one standing that caused all the argument was Milky Way. With a separate side, it was Milky Way and Twizzlers. Let me just say that I rebuke this, and I think it's from the pits of hell that someone thinks that Twizzlers can beat out Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. I feel sorry for you people. But <laughs> Big Daddy, when I shared it with him, was notably upset for many reasons, because I don't think you wanted Milky Way to win. No, I'm, <laughs> I'm not saying the Milky Way is a bad candy bar or like a bad candy. I very much like Milky Ways. That being said, I'm not calling it, you know, if there can only be one. It, it's not the Highlander. 
it's not the Highlander. It can be only one, right? Right. I'm not calling it that one now. With every you know March Madness bracket of Halloween candies, yeah, there's always going to be snubs. Like I freely admit, I'm a big fan of 100 Grand Bars. I'm a oh big like that's my secret, like you know, hookup. Really? I yeah. never knew that about you. I love 100 Grand Bars. You know what? I don't think I've ever had a hundred grand bar ever. Yeah, you have to be really into it, but like, I don't know why I've had this. Do they still pick up? Yeah. Huh. Yeah, they're very random candies that's over in the corner. I'm a big fan, but yes, they're always snubs. Seriously, I, I'm I'm just like some of this makes sense, right? Well, no, actually, between Swedish Fish and Junior Mints, I can't imagine Swedish Fish winning because. Sweet Swiss didn't taste like anything. But come on, Twizzlers and Reese's peanut butter cups, Twizzlers win. See, that's how you know. That's just how you know this is just nonsense. <laughs> yeah, because that's the thing. Like, this whole bracket was kind of like, it was set up like, you know, with the different regions being like, the first round matchups were like, unless I'm wrong, what didn't Reese's and M&M's go in the same like first round bracket? Oh, no. Well, it was Reese's and Whoppers were paired together. Okay. And then M&M's was paired with Gummy Bears, and Gummy Bears won. Still garbage. <laughs> but I'm like, yeah, because yeah, I'm like, you got, you got a power heart that like a number one hitter, like a number one seed, like M&M's. Well, the number one seed in this whole bracket was the Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. That's yeah. why I don't understand it. I get that, because I'm like, I know that, you know, for those, this, you know, there's no spoiler here that Baylor won the national championship, but I think of like, you know, the overall number one seed, yeah, is Reese's. But I'm like, Eminem's is like right there, like right, right there. But yeah, to be like up, like outdone by Twizzlers, I'm like, I'm not a licorice person, but Twizzlers, I'm sorry, that's, that's, I just can't get with that. No, no. So in your mind, which one should have come on top? Because I'm a Reese's person. I admit. It should have been Reese's versus Gummy Bears. Um, I guess looking at the bracket, I mean, like, the matchup is a little goofy, but I guess because, of course, like, the closest in, like, okay, Nestle's Crunch. I'm a big Nestle's Crunch dude. And that wasn't even part of it. Yeah, because I'm like. So that would be a snub. What? Okay. What about Butterfinger? Mm. You know, baby. I, I know that like some people aren't like baby, like you know, butterroot people, or I'm sorry, what did I say, butterroot? Or you said baby Ruth, baby Ruth. You know what? Butterfinger. I like those two. Like those two are like my yin and yang. I those like those two, two equally different. match. I would think. Yeah, those two are literally like they're the the four or five seed. But neither one of them was mentioned. Although I don't know about baby Ruth. It's two months peanut and nougat. Although they used to have a chocolate covered baby room, now that was the shit. Okay. <laughs> so they probably had the chocolate covered baby room. That could probably take on the Reese's. <laughs> there are just so many like different, you know, like combinations that could put together. But like, I mean, at the time I bracket, like, okay, the one, especially with Halloween candy, that most likely will win, will win, will always be Reese's. And there are so many. If you go to the candy, I don't know why I'm the one who's looking candy out probably because I can't eat this crap. But 
you There's see so all these different versions variants. of Reese's. Yeah, there are so many different like versions of the Reese's that there's nothing you can do. Reese's, but then there's like Twix. I'm sorry, Twix. I don't know why it's like my alpha candy, but Twix is like that's my that's my Michigan right there. <laughs> Twix is my like you know that's the one that we that everybody in the country is rooting for. They're the New York Yankees of this thing. So if that's the case, if Twix is like the Michigan, then who's the Gonzaga of the list? The Gonzaga of the list. The one that just shows up and just messes everyone's bracket. I would say Milky Twix Way. <laughs> Milky Way is the one who messes up there. No. Um, Hershey's, what? Hershey's candy bars? Actually, that was not part of it either. How, is, how the hell is Hershey's not? I didn't come up with a list. I'm just like, <laughs> who was the vapid little ass that didn't? <laughs> Hershey's, Hershey. They have a whole ass, like, chocolate thing, fountain thing that drops. It's Hershey's. It's all American. It's the red, it's the Pepsi of this bad boy. It's the Coke of the thing. <laughs> I'm not saying it's the best candy, but it's the it's literally the damn Gonzaga of everything because okay. that's why it's there. Okay, at this point, because we hope that one of them will be sponsors of us later on, let us all say that we are fans equally of all candy here at the Gourmet Goober Podcast. Yeah, I'm we not kicking you. Welcome your financial contributions. Yeah, I'm like okay if hey hey I know. <laughs> I did not disparage anybody. No, no one was disparaging anyway. Okay, maybe Twizzlers, but at the same time, me. Mm -hmm. But everybody else, like, I'm cool with. Maybe not Swedish Fish for you, but whatever. Okay, I did disparage Swedish Fish. Okay. I'm sorry, Swedish Fish. (laughs) All right, so on this note, (laughs) we would love to hear your suggestion as to who would win the candy bracket of the year. So if you have your thoughts, Email us at thegourmetgoober at gmail.com. That's thegourmetgoober at gmail.com. And we may share your response on a future show. So we're going to take a quick break. And then we close out. We're going to wrap up as we normally do every podcast by sharing the best thing we ate this week. You're listening to the Gourmet Goober podcast. And we will be right back. Gooberland, this is JJ Outlaw, better known as the Gourmet Goober. Do you consider yourself gumberworthy? Maybe you're a little bit gourmet and a lot ratchet. Well, if so, tell the world what your very own goober gear. From aprons and mugs to t-shirts and hoodies, it's the perfect way to support our show while telling the world that you're part of Gooberland. So just head over to gooberswag.com. That's gooberswag.com and get your very own goober gear now. We are back. This is JJ Outlaw. And T Outlaw. And we are back with a new episode of the Gourmet Goober podcast. Last segment where we share our faves when we call the best thing we ate this week. So that includes hole in the wall restaurants, out of the way um, recipes, um, secret recipes on menus, stuff we make ourselves. <laughs> um, being that we're based on a food blog, we like food. And we like to eat. And so we'd love sharing all of that great grub and good stuff to you. 
As always, you can go to the show notes if you want to try it yourself. If it's a recipe, of course, we'll always send a link to the recipe in the show notes as well. And I want to reach out to my faithful listeners because, again, I cannot say this enough. One of the sad things about the pandemic is it really hurt a lot of local restaurants. And so if there's a local restaurant that you want our listeners to know about, please feel free to drop us a line at thegourmetgoober at gmail.com. Tell us about the best thing you ate this week, and we will share it on the show. (laughs) So as always, we start off with Big Daddy, and he shares the best thing he ate this week. So what would you say is the best thing you had? The best thing I had this week. (laughs) Or Um, since we were on break. Yeah. Unexpected hiatus. Cool. Um, The best thing I remember I had this week was actually from, I don't know if I've hit this place up, I'm I'm sure I've hit this place up before, but I don't know if I remember talking about this before on the podcast, but there's a place not too far from where we are, like maybe a mile up the road um, called D&K Gourmet Foods. And oh, DK salads, DK salads, you're yes. correct. Um, and the goober one day for lunch, uh, ran out and picked up some uh wraps for us that were healthy. And usually, you know, me, I'm usually a for lunch, I'm usually like a sausage or burger or dog type of guy, but she brought home uh, something called a jerk chicken wrap. Which, unless I'm wrong, had um, romaine lettuce, Mm -hmm. um, of course, jerk chicken, roasted peppers. Um, This wrap had a lot of different um, flavors in it. Um, But I definitely remember, like, it kind of had this ranch dressing that was, had a little kick to it. I think it was like a jerk ranch. Jerk ranch, okay. Yeah. That definitely had this, it, it was like simple. But kind of had a little something on it. Yeah, you can definitely tell it was it was definitely fresh and made in house. And serving that with chips, it actually made my lunch and it held me over very well to dinner. So if I were to say the best thing I had this week, it would be the jerk chicken wrap. So that's the best thing I did this week. <laughs> Let me just say, for those who are in the area, I cannot recommend D&K salads enough. It's kind of a local fave for us. And the great thing about D&K salads is it's it's this little hole-in-the-wall um, place um, that they have on what's known as Lake Street, which is kind of a, would you say it's sort of like an artsy-type vibe place that's in one of Gary's neighborhoods near the Miller neighborhood? Yeah, and the... Like right on the edge of Miller Beach, which is in the kind of like in the northeastern part of Gary, Indiana. Um, it is this quiet little place, like literally a mile from the beach of Lake Michigan. Yeah, and it is gorgeous. I I can say, especially in the summertime, because when he says it's on the like list, literally on maybe a couple miles from Lake Michigan, he totally means that, and. The beach, by the way, just as a side note, is gorgeous. And it's next to this huge, expansive park called Marquette Park. Um, That's just gorgeous and great to take your dog for a walk or go for a jog yourself. I've done it before. Um, 
This particular place, though, however, they have a cross between healthy food and then they have a good selection of soul food, including, I'm not even kidding, the best peach cobbler you will ever put in your mouth. Like, Big Daddy does not even like peach cobbler. When I bring home the peach cobbler, I have to bring home two because Big Daddy will eat mine and his too. <laughs> it's that good. Hey, I was respectful. <laughs> Says the man who ate my cake. <laughs> eat cake anime. Anyway, they do have a lot of great stuff. And their wraps, especially their jerk chicken wraps, like he said, they come correct with it. Um, I'm not talking about like just a little dab of jerk seasoning. No, it's like woven all through the chicken. They have a really great marinade. And then the ranch dressing, of course, they have that hint of jerk too. So we'll put it in the show notes. And if you guys want to try it, I do recommend it. They are fabulous. So my best thing I ate this week actually also comes from Gary, Indiana. And there's a story behind it, actually. (laughs) So earlier last week, I think I shared in this podcast, I had my second dose of the vaccine. And it kind of made me feel, you know, really kind of tired and sluggish. The most thing was I had like this really bad fever um, that came and went. And I was writing in the middle of it. I had several projects, so I just didn't feel very good. Um, And I decided to give myself time and not cook that night. And instead, I ordered a pizza. Now, I made the mistake of ordering a pizza from, should I even name the provider? Are they a big provider or a small one? Well, it's a a big provider. Because remember, it's the one where they didn't come for like 45 minutes. Yeah, and and the guy seat. offered to make us our pizza themselves. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. Well, okay. Here's the thing. Where we live dun, dun, dun. has a history of, unfortunately, some people disregarding where we live because of its past history of having, um, how should we say? Well, you know, wants to steal male's clothes and there was, it was a hard hit community so to speak. And it had a reputation on its own where when I first met Big Daddy, they didn't even deliver to this area. Like growing up in Indianapolis in the suburbs, I didn't think that there were places that they don't deliver to. I was so naive. Um, but yeah, Big Daddy, when we met in college, he never had anything delivered to him until we were in college and he just thought everything was pickup because of the history of the place we were at. Yeah. Now, things have changed and it's a lovely community but unfortunately, some reputations die hard. And I think that probably had a hand in what happened because we ordered from Uber Eats and they said, oh, you know, they're making your pizza. And I ordered from this place called Doughboy's Pizza Ria, which is fabulous. And it's in Gary on Broadway. And the lady said she came and picked up the pizza and it's coming. And then 30 minutes, because it's not very far from where we live, but 20 minutes rolled by, 30 minutes rolled by, 40 minutes rolled by. We had no idea where it was. And then I was looking on the tracker and it said, oh, well, she's making another delivery. She'll be there in five minutes. And then the five minutes jumped to another 30. And meanwhile, I've had bad experiences with Uber Eats in the past where I've ordered things from them and the driver just doesn't show. So I contacted Doughboy's Pizzeria and I spoke with the gentleman who's in charge, his name is Justin. Justin cannot be nicer. 
dude, I cannot say this enough. And Justin, when I explained what happened, he said, oh, I remember your pizza. I made it with my own hands. And he described it. And it was a supreme pizza with sausage and pepperoni. Um, It had like green pepper and onion and mushrooms. And he said, I feel really bad. He said, I'm going to call this lady myself and figure out where it is. Would you like me to make you another pizza? And I'm, he's like, I would do it on a house because I want you to be happy. And we're fairly new in this area. And I said, no. And he said, well, I'm going to give her a call. And then five minutes later, I don't know what he said, the pizza showed up. <laughs> Let me tell you, this pizza was a thin crust pizza. And everyone knows me knows I'm not a thin crust pizza person. But it's a thin crust pizza piled high with toppings. Um, it had like almost double cheese it tasted like. This has got to be one of the best thin crust pizzas I have ever had in my life. It was so good. And I'm telling you how good it is. Even though it was lukewarm by the time it got to us. And yes, just as a side note, we reached out to Uber Eats. They gave us a refund because I'm like, that is not acceptable. Especially since the place is 10 minutes away from our house and it's almost an hour late. I think you threatened them, didn't you? No, I didn't threaten them. You should have. I was really nice. But I did tweet them like, dude, what the hell? I think what happened was I said the restaurant got involved. And I think (laughs) they got so upset that the restaurant got involved that they tweeted me back right away. They're the only Akari program at that moment. (laughs) Pretty much. But... Even lukewarm, because you know how sometimes thin crust pizza, when it gets lukewarm, it gets kind of drippy and, you know, the crust isn't substantial and all that stuff. But no, it was great, even lukewarm. <laughs> I mean, seriously. So I I just, I had such a great experience and Justin checked back with me and wanted to make sure that everything was great. And I cannot say enough, not only about the service, but the pizza as well. So if you happen to be on Broadway near IU Northwest, <laughs> do recommend trying out Doughboy's Pizzeria. They have pizza, they have wings. Um, the pizza is amazing. And I will be ordering all though. I will probably go and pick it up again when I feel better. Okay. <laughs> I'm down with that. Yes. And you like the pizza too, right? Yes, it did. Came back for seconds. And thirds. I had it for breakfast the next day. I'm you not did. ashamed. Okay. <laughs> so anyway, that is what would be the best thing I ate this week. Hey, before we close out our um, episode, episode, and I wanted to thank everyone for listening. I know it's a little long, but we've been gone for a while. So we thought we'd fill you in on all the good stuff. Also wanted to take an opportunity because from time to time, we get questions on how you can support the Gourmet Goober. And there's a couple ways you can do so. If you wanted to, you know, break off a five on it, because, you know, we record this from home and <laughs> it's out for our own resources. And yes, we do have sponsors, but, you know, if you wanted to support us that way, you can go to the gourmetgoober.com. There's a little button and you can hit support and you can certainly get. But there's certainly ways that you can support us even without spending a dollar um, or just giving directly. Just so you know, you can have some goober swag. Um, so you can go to gooperswag.com and you can check out all the great mugs, aprons, t-shirts, really cool stuff. <laughs> um, we showcase it on our 
on social media from time to time. But if you want to tell the world that you're Google, Google worthy, you can definitely do it. You can also go to Apple, um, Apple Podcasts. You can go to Stitcher. Pretty much anywhere that allows you to leave a review and leave us a five-star review. If we like it, we will read it on the show. Thank you, the Black Guy Who Tits podcast, for that fab idea. And you can just tell a friend. You know, it's kind of cool. So, Yeah, speak you, our name into existence. <laughs> so if you like the show, please tell a friend and let everyone know. And I'm sorry about my phone. <laughs> about the show and the work that we do. So, Big Daddy, where can they find you online? Well, you can find me on Twitter at Tiatla and on Instagram at Tiatla Josie Wells. And I'll just say this hey, come support the goober. And, you know, if you support us enough, maybe I'll jump on Instagram and do a little fat kid dance. You never know. He might do that anyway. I think that'd be cute. <laughs> Um, you can also support um, by visiting me on Twitter. I'm at JJ Outlaw. You can also catch me on the Instagram at Gourmet Goober. Oh, before I forget, um, I, I think it's on our page now, but someone had asked about donating via Cash App, and you can through our distributor, um, Plum Good Media. Um, so if you wanted to do it, it's capital P L U M capital G double O D E. So cash, you know, the dollar sign plum good. Um, so yeah, you can totally do that too. And, um, just drop us a line if you have a question for either big daddy or myself. And again, we know this is a super long episode, but we've been gone for a while. So we had a lot to say. Yes. And thank you for listening to the Gourmet Goober podcast. We will see you in a couple of weeks.